Scott is intimately familiar with all of Logan's hair. Intimately in his mouth. Welcome to episode 66 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's the beginning of March 2020, and we'll be discussing new comics and some classic comics. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is a, well, that's just like your opinion, man. Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. Help us get big and famous and money and mansion. If we get enough followers, we'll get more sponsors. And if we get more sponsors, we'll get free stuff. And if we get free stuff, we won't have to spend money on groceries or butt cotton. That's right. Mutant Musings is willing to hype your toilet paper. Are you weepy over TP? Don't be forgotten that butt cotton. See? Over 500 people want to buy this non-existent brand of toilet paper right now. This is how fucking good we are. Help us get that butt money. <laughs> and speaking of butt money, let me ask you a question. Have you been rear-ended in an accident? Was there a lot of junk in the trunk? Did it knock your caboose loose? Is your cushion all out of pushing? Don't let some bum get away with it. Call Cheeky Buns Injury Lawyers. We're the firm you can get behind. We specialize in arrears. We look in every nook, cranny, and fanny to get the money owed to you. Open your back door for Cheeky Buns Injury Lawyers. Must be a full moon out tonight with all this tushy talk. There's your explicit content warning. I think that's my favorite one that you did. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. So this is our final episode. We have to go out on a high note. I can't yep. possibly get any further than that. We've, we've peaked, guys. Sorry. We've peaked at butt. That's <laughs> what we did. We peaked at the butt. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, the most important thing I have to say probably this year. Uh-oh. It's only February. It's only February. It's February happy, happy Leap Day. Happy Leap Day. To everybody out there. Mm-hmm. I hope Leap Day William gives you all the candy and cigarettes. I wonder, <laughs> wonder what... Uh, the cross-section is of X-Men fans, <laughs> X-Men fans who listen to Mutant Musings, and X-Men fans who listen to Mutant Musings and get that reference from eight years ago. Yes. Yeah. I made Jonathan watch it. It's from 30 Rock. It's from season six, if you want to look it up. It's oh on God. Hulu. <laughs> I think it's season six, episode eight, but whatever. It's called Leap Day. Cyclops is in it. Cyclops is in it, yeah. yes. And uh, also Jim Carrey is in it. Oh my God, Jim Carrey. He's oh, so Patty, good in it. Patty, I just realized things have come full circle. Yes. Oh my God. All right, we'll get to that in a little bit. But what you what were you going to warn everybody about? No, no, no. I was just wishing everybody a happy Leap Day. Oh, that's all? Yes. Which yeah, is not imp- going to be a thing. Most important day of the When they year. actually hear this. Yes, it's yeah. the most important day of the year. Um, that's my favorite episode of 30 Rock. It's fucking hilarious. And let's see, what else? So we watched uh, Big Lebowski. We watched so many movies the I past saw that weeks. for the first time. Yeah, we for, so we saw Birds of Prey a couple weeks ago. Right. And then we saw... Um, Sonic. We saw Sonic. And then, yeah. And then the other day we watched uh, The Big Lebowski. And then we saw My Hero Academia today. And we saw My Hero Academia today. Which was your favorite of those? I don't know. I don't know what my favorite one was. They all had their their positives and their negatives. Birds of Prey was great. Sonic Sonic was was good. It was fun. But it had Cyclops and the Riddler in it. And that was fucking amazing. I cannot believe that I didn't realize that we were watching 30 Rock earlier. Same two people. (laughs) Same fucking two people. And then uh, My Hero Academia was not my favorite out of them. It was an okay movie, though. 
Yeah, I there would was... say that um, Birds of Prey was probably my favorite of them. Really? That we saw, yeah. What did you think about The Big Lebowski? I thought it was good for the most part. Okay. But I felt like it didn't really have like um, a, a mood to it. A tone. It doesn't have, like, a tone. <laughs> I feel like that about some movies that, like, uh, maybe this is over my head and I don't get it. Like, what's the point, you know? Like, is it supposed to make me laugh? Is it is it supposed to be, like, a sad movie? It, it just didn't feel like it had, like, a purpose. No, I felt like we had to watch it because there is a character in the first comic we're talking about who I'm like, this is essentially the Big Lebowski if he were a member of the CIA. But that's, that's Also, I've never seen it, and I feel like that's something that I hear frequently quoted and whatever, so I feel like I kind of had to watch it. Yeah. The dude abides. Yes. Now you understand what that means. I mean, I don't really. You understand exactly what that okay. means. Okay. And in the movie, the dude abides. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, so we got some comics that we're going to talk about, and the first one we're going to talk about is Wolverine, number one. Who would have thunk it? This this guy got his own solo series. You know, I can't out of any character that they're going to give a solo series to. I did not see this one a coming. They uh, they really had us in the first quarter. Not going to lie. <laughs> what? You that know, a football reference. You know, you know, John. You don't really expect to see this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, you know you expect them to pass or throw the ball, but you don't really expect you know. Pass. Or throw the ball. You know, you don't really expect this. It kind of came out of left field. Am I doing it right? Am I doing the sports? I know Sprant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, left field. Left field in football? It's a really dangerous field to be it's, on. You I'll want tell to you what. The left field out of all calls. I'll tell you what, John. Everybody's always complaining about out of the left field. You never hear about anyone going in to left field. And yeah. there's a reason why. You never hear about them going into left field. It's it's, it's heartbreaking, John. <laughs> why are you calling me John? <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Pat. Yeah, that's a good call on that one. You should have you should have thrown it up in the play. Thrown up. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, right. So Wolverine um, number one. Well wait, 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 wait. There's um oh, more football. No no no. There's there's this like Japanese marketplace by us and there's this big golf thing next door that has like one of those giant <laughs> golf nets <laughs> around it. And I was like I was asking Jonathan, I was like, Oh, that's a putting range and he's like, Patty <laughs> Putting Putting doesn't need nets. It's a little tap. This is a driving range. You so, need, they need nets for catching the cars when you're driving. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Wolverine number one. Uh, all right. So first of all, so Adam Kubert is on art. And, you know, I mean, it's not quite as gorgeous as it, as it was back in the day. But, I mean, he's still fucking really good. He's still really good. And I really enjoyed the art this entire thing he wasn't the only artist because there were like two stories so we're setting up a couple of things um but no you know jokes aside the first the first story i really enjoyed uh the second story not as much because the second story had vampires and i I feel like you're at a point now where it's just like with vampires it's kind of like oh really like i don't know i've been at that point like 10 years ago trendsetter Listen, no, because I I had the whole vampire phase thing, and then oh, there was Twilight. I actually did like Twilight because it came out when I was young. The books I never saw the movies because I was too old for it at that point. 
Well, I mean, I say that, but like, you know, I know people older than me who got into it. So, but then like after Twilight, then there was the Vampire Diaries and there was the other shows that I can't remember the names of. Probably. On like HBO. There was another one. Was it? Oh. Was that Vampire Diaries? No, no there was another one too. There was another one. I can't think of it now, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Fuck, it's going to bother me. So Wolverine. So it opens with, it's really gorgeous. It's detailed, but it's like also gross. Fucking Wolverine is like coming to in the snow and it looks like Gene and Quentin and Domino are dead. And I'm like, all right, this must be a dream. But it turns out that a Wolver dream, a Wolver dream. He is. Thank you. He, he Thank is. You. I'll living, be here all day. He is living the Wolver dream. Right yes. Now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But but flashback. Yeah. So they're playing hide and seek with with Logan. And that was actually really cute. And then Jean pulls him out of the bushes and pulls him into her. Bu- okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so this is this is funny. Jean's like, "Oh, the kids—they're not the only ones looking for you." And Logan goes, "You never have to look too hard to find me, Jeannie." And Jean goes, "I'm not talking about me." It's my favorite line of this entire fucking book. So Kate was looking for him. So he's drinking with her. She slams her hand through the fucking shot glass to absorb the alcohol to get drunk, and that's very interesting. I never. Would have thought that her powers work like that, but but sure. Anyway. Uh, I kind of would like to see a drinking contest between Wolverine and Quicksilver. Well, you know... Like, who is going to get drunk first? Because I feel like neither of them is ever going to get drunk. They're going to run their tab up to, like, two grand and be like, fuck. I would not like to see either one of them drunk. They're fucking... You didn't being shitty enough as it is. I don't want to see them when they're drunk. You didn't see that. Uh, you didn't read that issue with Quicksilver when he was drunk and he was like coming down from a hangover within like ten seconds. Real? I don't know. I don't remember that. I think it was. Yeah, that. it was in X Factor. He he got he got wasted and then he was like crying or whatever and then like <laughs> he was like talking about his daughter and then he was like talking about whatever and then like he was fine. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was funny. <laughs> okay. But you know, Kate tells Logan that that drugs have gone missing. So cut to cartel members who have apparently killed themselves. And this is where CIA dude is investigating and says that the drugs smell like pollen. And I'm looking at this guy and like as soon as like there there is a word balloon and it ends with comma man or whatever the fuck, I'm like that is Jeffrey Lebowski, and the dude's name is literally Jeff. He's the dude. The dude's name is Jeff. Jeff is the dude. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Somebody said that it looked kind of like Hickman, uh, and I, I can see that. I don't know what he looks like. I can I can see that. Oh, you don't know what Jonathan Hickman looks like? I do not. We're going we're gonna to live on air. We are going to Jonathan Hickman Google Images. <laughs> Oh, okay. He looks he looks nice. This is a more recent picture. Of him. Yeah, he looks better with long hair. <laughs> he looks uh he looks like a nice boy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Or maybe no, not. I don't know. He more could be recent. a dick, who knows. <laughs> uh yeah. And uh and then we get a data page, which is always fun. Ooh. Uh so the uh order of X was a little scary, you know, where we get a little bit more information about the fucking, um, the people who are, like, worshipping mutants. They're offering their bodies to mutants, cutting themselves. They're cutting, like, X's Yeah, they're offering their... their bodies to mutants. Okay, but the cutting themselves over the eyes and mouths is not the sexy part of the body offering. No, I, I guess not. Oh, um... you get, wait a second. 
Patty, this has been. I mean, if you're almost, not into blood plague, it's yes. been almost six years. <laughs> okay, we need to be clear here whether or not the cutting portion is a thing that we're doing. <laughs> All right. So yeah, but you know, it's like religion, but worse. You know. So anyway, God, imagine that. Uh, yeah. So so Sage figures that. You know, the missing drugs. This was really neat. This was a really... And she wasn't in there for long, but I really enjoyed this. Because it's like, all right, so these drugs are missing. So how are we going to fucking track it from my fucking mutant computer brain? Okay, well, fucking these drugs send up pollen into the air. Well, all right, so we're just going to fucking check the air quality around the entire fucking globe. And boom, it's in this section of Russia. I thought that was awesome. Ah, Russian plant. Wait, what? A Russian plant. A Russian plant? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like yeah, yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? You didn't need to explain the joke. You got it. I might mute that. So you might hear a little, a little pause. No, 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 no. You, you leave my joke. I don't, I don't want his, I mean, my, my mention. I don't want the name on, on the show. I don't want. Uh, Okay. Okay. Well, everybody is going to know who it is in reference to. (laughs) So that's fine. I guess. (laughs) All right. But this was cool, all right? So we got missing drugs. We got some dead people uh, we with got fucking drugs and pollen. People disfiguring themselves. People disfiguring themselves. There's how a do, lot going on here. How do we put it all together? How? Wolverine. Wolverine. That's the answer to all of it. No, but it was neat because he brought an X-Force with him to go on, like, this little mission. And I really enjoyed that, you know? I mean, it's not like we got to see a ton of Domino, Quentin, and Gene in action, but, you know, it just made it feel more connected to what's going on in the X-Books as opposed to, oh, you know, Logan disappeared for a few weeks, you know, <laughs> one of those fucking things. Um, so so that was neat. Wait, do you remember the name of that annoying little blonde girl from Wolverine? I was talking about Elise. Is it Elise? And the fucking robot Albert? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I got drunk yesterday and I was trying to remember what her name is. I was Googling, because I was talking to that guy with the uh, X-Men helmet. Uh, Charles Xavier. Yeah, he has the fucking yeah, Xavier helmet. And anyway, I was trying to <laughs> explain to him about this annoying little girl in the Wolverine series. So I Googled little blonde girl Wolverine or something. And all that came up was like, who's the little girl from the movie Logan? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh Patty was talking to a real person yesterday, by the way. This was a guy who had cosplayed at an event that we went to. Yes, he was at MAGFest, and then he was randomly at this party at this bar that I went to yesterday, which was weird. Because you kind of just prefaced it with, like, the guy in the Xavier helmet. I was trying to explain to him. Okay. Yeah. You know, they they pop in Russia in this fucking Order of X meeting. The the priest is like, you know, they, they look fucking so happy that, you know, mutants have shown up and they're about to take the Krakoan host. I don't know. They, everyone starts looking twisted and it's time to drink the blood of the vine. You know, Quentin is like, oh, great. It's time for me to be fucking worshipped. And he just fucking like stage dives on a bunch of them. And they start trying to fucking eat him. A gene reads their minds and apparently they're gonna, they think that they'll become a new species if they consume the pollen. Oh, but it was really creepy and gross because then they started fucking like dying and burning up and shit. And, you know, it sort of ties into what fucking CIA Jeff Lebowski found. And by the way, he gets a sad backstory. You know why? Because his wife's dead. And uh, and he can't solve it. And he... <laughs> She's got the, the little child. She's got leukemia. That actually was sad. But I was like, all right, so fucking here's a huge trope. All right, sad backstory for this guy. But yeah, it was it was sad. 
Yeah, so the fucking gangster tells this scary story about this pale girl. Uh, and how she's, like, really deadly and really serious because she made this fucking gangster burn out his own eye. The dude wants to find out if mutants are in on it. So he says to his CIA dude buddies, let's pose as buyers. And then fucking J- uh, Jeff Lebowski finds Logan with no memory. Maybe pale girl is there. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The pale girl looks very pretty. That was very neat. I don't know what she's all about, but it's something. Potential new villain. We could use those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little confused by that, but uh, I was like, is this supposed to be somebody that I know? But yeah, no. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. Anyway, uh, this was an interesting setup. I liked more of the uh, exploration on the Order of X, as creepy and fucked up as it was. Um, abusing Krakowin drugs. Like, let's fucking pervert everything mutants are doing as much as we can. Turn it into this weird fucking religion. People are getting high off of it. The CIA's involvement. Uh, I mean, the the sad backstory for the dude was was heavy-handed, like I said. But I still kind of think that this is a neat character and it could be fun. I don't know how far they're going to go with any references to Hickman slash Jeff Bridges. But anyway. Uh, and the pale girl could be could be interesting, I think. I mean, when you when you think about it, though, I mean, you've got, like, a lot of humans, power dampeners, all this kind of stuff as, like, the X-Men's adversaries right now. So get, get a little creative with it. Why not? We can't really have too many mutant villains now, like, right? You know? It's not like the fucking X-Men are getting in the fucking Blackbird to go fight Apocalypse. No, Apocalypse is hanging out with the X-Men. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they could always bring Arcade back. Stop. fuck that guy patty you still have to start avengers arena don't you i do patty if you by the end of the first issue if you are not like fuck arcade i'm gonna be upset okay i'm just letting you know i'm gonna cross my arms and i'm gonna be a grump all right okay i mean i just i just read all of avengers academy and that was fantastic but uh i don't have a ton of time and what time i do have i i want to do my cross stitch or whatever so (laughs) yeah you do your cross stitch and i'll read the comics to you okay okay uh and so the next story so i didn't like this one as much and again it's because it's the fucking whole vampire thing but i did like how omega red is in here you know kind of like no when is this guy gonna show up so so sure Omega Red walks in, he's all fucking beaten and bloody, and he's like, I understand you're offering amnesty. And uh, there's like this brief back and forth between Logan and him, and Logan is ready to just fucking gut him, and Magneto catches him, and is like, no, like we're not going to do this to a fellow mutant. So Magneto sends him to go find out where Omega Red just came from, and he finds dead bodies in a trunk in Paris, and the cops are coming. And Magneto's like, Logan, go find out what's happening and go fucking clean it up. And, like, all right, I know that Logan has personal history with Omega Red, but this is the mutant that you're going to have the problem with? You know, I mean, Apocalypse walked through the fucking gate, M-Plate walked through the... Celine, all these fucking... Yeah, but I was thinking the same thing. And also, Omega Red was on that team, the Weapon X-Force thing. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't with middle-aged man Logan. That was with old man Logan. Okay. You remember he was a lesbian with Sabretooth. Yes, Bad I know. And a cat. Lesbian. Yes. Yeah. But there were other X-Men on the team. It's true. So they could be like, oh, hey, no, he's cool. He had a cat. <laughs> so, yeah. So Omega Red is telling Logan that there's something worse than him out there in fucking France because bad things are in France, I guess. So he meets, Logan meets this flower lady outside of this place. Aerith. <laughs> well done. 
I was thinking that when I read this a couple weeks ago, and I completely forgot about that. <laughs> completely forgot about that. So I'm, I'm glad you had the same thought right now. All right, good. And Logan goes into this place, and it's a trap. Go fucking figure. It's a trap. Uh, he doesn't even think uh, twice about walking into this place. He doesn't smell anything. And, like, the, the colors are red. There's red, <laughs> reddish hue everywhere. Red is for blood. Blood is for vampires, Logan. But it turns out that the flower lady is a vampire hunter, so not exactly like Aerith. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> She's, she saves Logan. And, yeah, so we find out that it's a bunch of fucking vampires, and, and that's, that's, that's what Omega Red is mixed up with. I thought this was interesting, though. So Omega Red thinks that he can thrive on Krakoa by feeding off animals. It's kind of, I mean, I, I guess, you know, Krakoa can kind of pop up these weird mutant animal things that run around the fucking island, so he doesn't have to feed off of mutant energy. And, you know, that's kind of, I mean, it's not, like, the best thing, but it's it's a thing. So, anyway, Logan decides to go back to France. He finds a vampire hunter. They go into the catacombs, and uh, and the lady gets caught, and uh, and they they want to trade. You can have the lady, but they want a taste of Logan. And it all comes back to Dracula, because, of course, it's fucking Dracula. And uh, Omega Red is apparently a plant. Speaking of plants... Um, He's a Russian plant. He is a Russian plant. Literally a Russian plant. Yeah. So, so fucking, you know, Dracula is like, well, you know, you can have the fucking carbonadium synthesizer, so you don't have to kill to live, but you join Krakoa and obey me. And, you know, I, I thought that, honestly, Omega Red was the most interesting part of the story. The pacing was a little off, traveling back and forth. It seemed a little silly. The vampire hunter Louise getting grabbed by the vampires so quickly. Like, she had this huge fucking arsenal. She had this fucking, like, UV light gun. Yet, as soon as they dropped into the catacombs, it was like, no, help me. I was like, what? Like, you were just so badass. I don't know. I just wasn't nearly as into this story as I was interested in the first story. But I like that Omega Red is here. Yeah, uh, my issue with this story is why would Omega Red team up with the vampires instead of asking the mutants for help? Because, like, I get that he is kind of like a vampire, but, you know, he's more of a mutant. And also, on Krakoa, they have Beast, they have Forge, they have Sage, they have, you know, all of these really smart people who could have possibly helped him, and he chose to ask for help from Dracula? Like, what? Who knows what will happen? If he's going to hang out on Krakoa now, maybe what will happen is, you know, Mutant Kind is going to win him over with the power of love and friendship, and he'll realize the error of his ways and be like, guys, I'm sorry, I betrayed you to Dracula, and he'll cry. Him and Logan will hug. They'll get a cat together. They'll let Sabretooth out of the hole. They'll be a lesbian thruple, and they'll go to take down Dracula themselves. Yeah. This is why Marvel should hire me. They should hire you. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, moving on. So the next issue we're going to talk about is X-Men number seven, and this is one of my favorite things out of this Hickman era. So far, it was a little bit problematic. Yeah, not all of it was like, oh shit, amazing. But it was a really powerful and moving issue. And um, I nearly started tearing up when I was reading through it the second time. But it opens up with somebody waking up in the sex tans. It's a fucking brunette. It could be a litany of people. We have no (laughs) idea who it is. And I'm sorry, that's not a crack at Lenel Yu's art. That's just like, I feel like a lot of times, if it's not 
stated, if it's not implied in a way, if there's no costume associated with it, sometimes it's just, whoop, that's a brunette, let's wait for the name. Uh, She comes out of her room, and you see Cannonball, you see Husk, and you see Icarus, and so Melody... It's Melody, it's the Guthries. It's four entire Guthries. It's four entire living Guthries together, living a goody Guthrie life. (laughs) Right? Right. Right. So there's something called Crucible, and I have no idea what, what is going on here, but Melody's eyes, she starts tearing up as she smiles. And I wanted the exact definition of crucible, so I, I, I went to my trusty friend named Google, and Google told me that the definition of crucible is a situation of severe trial or in which different elements interact, leading to the creation of something new, which is super interesting and also foreshadowing. And so at this point, I'm, I'm not thinking, like, what, like, how are they going to repower her? I'm just like, well, fucking depowered mutants. That's it. You know, like, I could have sworn... And I feel like Hickman answered it in a Hickman way that left it open enough for him to address this, and I just never saw it coming. I felt like he just said, depowered mutants are depowered, or something. I don't know, but he said something, and it made me think, and this is some me shit, that they couldn't get their powers back. So I just kind of thought, oh, okay, right, you know, those are the connections I made. But what what I'm getting at is that however it was said, or whoever said it, left it open enough where, oh, well, I never said that this couldn't happen. So I did not see any of this coming. So, uh, Scott and Logan, they got a viewing room to relax, and, uh, Logan can't sleep, and Scott says it's all that hair too hot for covers, and it's too cold without them. That's huh? cute. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. He's talking about Logan's bodily hair. Yes, his bodily hair. It's called flirting. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott invites Logan to come to Chandelure with the family, and Logan says, genie in a bikini, and Scott says, Scott in a speedo. <laughs> eh? We talking about uh, bodily hair. Yeah. Yeah, it's called flirting. Yeah, flirting. <laughs> flirting. And Logan literally says, who could say no to that? <laughs> that's flirting. This is flirt. They're flirting. Yes. All right. Anyway. Finally. <clears throat> Apparently, Logan doesn't want to go to Crucible. Uh, and I'm still looking at it like, what the fuck is this? Because now I know the definition. Yeah, and now there's also Chandelure that you're going to throw in here. So, like, I started getting confused. Like, which one do they want to go to? Which one do they not want to go to? What is happening? What the fuck is Chandelure? As long as Genie's in a bikini and Scott's in a Speedo, I don't care. Take me wherever. <laughs> there's a particular problem. Like, they're, they're just fucking, they're just beating around the bush. They're dancing around the bush. They're flirting around Logan's bush. And nobody is saying exactly what this thing is. You know, Logan is like, all right, they, they have to deal with this particular problem, fine, but I don't love the choice. Scott, if you want absolution over this, whatever, go find a priest. And Scott's like, that's a great idea. So we know he's going to go find Nightcrawler. And Patty, I don't know about you, but the panels uh, of Scott walking to Nightcrawler scared the living shit out of me. This was terrifying. It was dark. It was 5 a.m. Looking on my computer. And, and it's just, boom, Warlock with this big fucking smile on his face. And then you cut to Scott, and you cut back to where Cypher is sitting, and fucking, he's on the arm. He's on the arm. He's been on the arm the whole time. Warlock has been on the arm the whole time. The whole entire Warlock. But he comes off, and people don't know about it. That was so spooky. That spooked the fuck out of me. So Scott finds Kurt, and it sounds like, you know... Kurt is struggling a little bit because Crucible is, oh, we watch a mutant die. And I'm like, well, why? Do we have to, like, is this a sacrifice thing? Like, I still, I don't get it yet. I, it's not, it's not coming to me. And at, at some, it, it comes and it clicks. And I'm like, I get it. So it makes sense now. So if, so they're depowered 
But it doesn't say, but you know, nowhere has it said that they can't die and then be reborn mutants like they were. And another... Uh, I was wondering why they weren't doing that. Really? Yeah. I could have sworn, and I'm not the only one. There were a couple of people like, yeah, I thought the same thing. So thankfully, I'm not the only idiot. I really enjoyed uh, the panels with Exodus. He's with these kids, and I don't know why people keep leaving Exodus with children, but he's with these kids around this fire, and he explicitly answers what Crucible is. But he also says that a broken mutant being reborn an unbroken mutant isn't the whole truth. And he starts talking about the Scarlet Witch. And as soon as he shows her, the kids are like, Pretender, Pretender, we don't say her name. And I thought that was insane. Exodus is like, what do we say to them who think they decide what's best for us? And all the kids go, no more. And I love that because that was a throwback to House of X. Uh, number four, when it ended after the X-Men mission on Orcus failed, they all died, and Xavier yelled, like, no more at the end of the fucking issue. Uh, that was an amazing callback. Okay, I thought that it was a reference to Wanda saying no more mutants. It could have been that, too. It's a double entendre. Yeah. That's not what that means. <laughs> so the five can make mutants whole again, but it can't just be any death, right? So it's not like... A depowered mutant can just be like, whoopsie-daisy, I'm going to slip on this banana peel and my <laughs> neck is going to snap and you make me a mutant again. No. Melody is there. It's like a fucking, um, it's like a fucking coliseum. You know, it's like gladiators. She's got flowers on her head. It's like a ritual. Crowd is around. They're talking about how she's the first. And there's, there's a practical angle to this, apparently. So, right, one, say one million depowered mutants just up and kill themselves, Right. And they want to come back. The five are going to have quite a huge task bringing them back. But this, you can't take one million mutants and do all this at one time. And also, I can't see every one of those million mutants wanting to do this. And also, it sounded like Apocalypse offered this as a solution. It kind of all caught me off guard. I don't understand why they can't just do it with any death. Are they saying that they physically can't do it unless they die specifically in the crucible or they're saying that they just won't do it they're saying i think that they don't want to that this is the preferred way of doing that's things. stupid yeah well i mean so i i thought that this was so this was this brought up so many emotions because this was brutal and gross but also in a way like beautiful and cathartic and happy and it's really those the conflict of emotions that I feel that really draw me into, I guess, these kinds of stories. You know, I mean, I talked about how much um, I loved that single issue, Uncanny X-Men 11, you know, Rosenberg's run. There was so much just despair and death in that issue, but then there was some light and hope and truth in there. And it was just so powerful and it like moved me. And I got that similar feeling from this issue too. And it featured Melody Guthrie. And that makes me so fucking happy. So Apocalypse says to her, look around you, child. Are you filled with envy? And she says, yes. He goes, what's your name? And she goes, Arrow. He goes, no, Arrow is a mutant name. I see no mutant standing before me. And Sam is literally about to fucking attack Apocalypse when Paige stops him and goes, no, this is what she wants. And it's amazing. She's just to look at this. She is so small compared to him. I'm looking at this, and we're, it's not explicitly there yet where he's got the sword and she's got the smaller sword. I'm like, oh, she can't just die. Tell me she has to fight. Tell me she's going to sword-fucking-fight apocalypse. As as this is, like, going on, it's cutting back to Kurt having this discussion with Scott, and Kurt's like, 
you know, talking about if one is immortal, then what lure is eternity? You know, why would he, why would I, a religious man, seek heaven? Is our burden to create heaven on earth? And a lot of people were really interested in this discussion, and I am too. It's an interesting thought. It's like, what, you know, what's the point of living if you can just keep coming back and back and back over and over and over again? You never actually get to heaven. So I thought that was neat, but honestly. But what happened if one of the five dies? Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be addressed. I hope so. They're probably going to kill off gold balls. It is pronounced egg balls, Patty. <laughs> no, but but one thing I did think was interesting out of all that was how he mentions the wills. Uh, how somebody put it in their will they wanted to come back like in a magneto body. And so I think it was Kurt who might have said, well, you know, why not just throw somebody else in there and a third mutant in there? And I'm like, well, boom, there is your fucking template for what the Chimera thing is going to be that Sinister is supposedly going to do in the future. Yeah. Right? So I thought that was an interesting little nod, an interesting little setup. But... I don't know. I feel like Kurt complains about religion all the time. But he's religious. I know. Oh, that's what religious people do? Yeah. Oh, all right. Oh. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh my God. I just, I can't believe that they're going to fucking fight. And by the first time I'm looking at this, I'm like, Melody and Apocalypse, they're fucking fighting. And they're not really. It's more like Apocalypse backhands her you know i mean he's not using his powers he's not growing and shooting things and trying to fucking hammer her he's got a sword and that's you know it's his fist and his sword that he's using on her and she clearly has no chance in fucking hell against him you know she's getting beat she looks terrible she's bleeding and you know you you think she's gonna give up and she stands up and says never and he goes, I see you, sister. We all do. Accept this gift. You have earned it. And I wanted to fucking cry. This was such a powerful series of pages because they're not like this is more the ritual than it is a fight. And as gross as it is, this is something that she wanted. She felt at home as a mutant. She felt at home when she was flying. That was taken away from her. The day, the M day, when she lost her powers. She jumped off the fucking roof of the mansion and Beast had to leap out a window and catch her because she lost her powers and she didn't want to accept it. And, you know, just finally recently we saw her at a fucking summer camp with a bunch of other fucking teenage girls and I was super happy, but you could see the sadness on her face in that series when she saw Storm. How happy she was at first, but sad because she couldn't be back with her kind and now she can be back with her kind and she's willing to fucking pay the ultimate price to feel at home again, to feel whole again. You know what I mean? And I thought that that was fucking beautiful. Somebody on, on Twitter, and I'm not going to call them out. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to call out their name. That's not my place to. But this is a trans woman who, who took this as a metaphor. But she basically just commented how it was like, you know, like her struggle as a trans woman, like being comfortable as herself. And that was a really interesting perspective you know, for me, for me to see, I really, I really think that's an interesting perspective. And that's not something I necessarily would have thought about on my own. But as I'm saying it out loud now, it's like Arrow wanting to be herself and feel whole again. And absolutely, I see how that can connect with a trans person. And that's wonderful. Yes, this was brutal. Uh, and I and I get that. And people are like, oh, barbaric. Like, okay. But I don't know. There's something really beautiful about this. I really, I don't know. I kind of, I get it, like, but I don't know. I feel like it's just, like, too much. Just, like, making this tiny little girl fight Apocalypse and, 
like he's asking her like oh you're like you know inferior or whatever and she's like oh but i want to be immune again or whatever and she he's kind of just like making her feel bad about herself and just like punching her and kicking the shit out of her or whatever and She's trying to fight, which she clearly does not stand any chance at all. I just I just feel like there's better ways to do this. And you. this way just seems too mean to me. I will say this, though. I will say this. He is survival of the fittest, right? That is Apocalypse, survival of the fittest. And he was wearing his classic villainous costume when he was doing this. Also, there was no joy on his face. He took no joy in this. He did not look happy at all. He did not look anything but, you know, a little... I I don't want to say he looked sad, but he wasn't happy. Also, this really illustrated to me the amazing fucking resolve of this young woman to do this. Because, yes, you're right. You're saying, yeah, he's kicking the shit out of her. He he did. That, That one backhand was, like, more than enough. But just the resolve on her face, the dedication there, like, she was not going to back down, was fucking amazing. And so, you know, regardless, even if we don't fully agree on this, Melody Guthrie is amazing. Yeah, and yeah, no, need, I'm not saying y'all that she's out there, not. Y'all out there need to recognize Melody Guthrie is amazing. What happened immediately after this, and this was immediate, they had her ready. It was basically what I assumed the crowd just walked from that arena right over to where the fucking eggs hatch and Melody was all ready to go. She was reborn, and this was... You know, this was beautiful. Except uh, she's underage and she was naked in front of everybody. Well, we didn't see anything, so... Well, everybody else did. <laughs> Especially when she was flying in the air. I mean, you're not hiding anything at that point. <laughs> she was crying and so happy. And Apocalypse was happy for her. What are you waiting for, child? Show them who you really are. And these two panels... I almost lost my shit again. Where her feet are planted on the ground and then lifting off. And then Kurt's like, I need to start a mutant religion. I was like, dude, shut up, all right? Let her have her moment. It was so beautiful. Oh, my God. It was... I loved this issue. It was so powerful. It was rough. It was happy. It was depressing. It was so many things in one. And again, the for me, the main takeaway is, is I'm just ranting on and on about the same thing over and over again, and I'll stop in a moment. But it was really... The Crucible. It was really that that had me in this issue. Next, we're going to see the space fish, the Akanti. Or Akanti. Who? Like Ashanti. <laughs> also, I, I, b- before we wrap up talking about this issue, I do have to say that I have, you know, called out Lennel Yu's art for not being great, uh, not being a big fan of it. I think he did a very effective job, this issue. Uh, all around with Logan and Scott early in the issue with the warlock surprise with Exodus around the fire with the crucible with Melody lifting off fucking amazing what I'm worried about now is if Apocalypse goes back to his villainous ways is he going to make Arrow into an arc Arrow that's what I'm worried about oh no (laughs) I didn't even notice Icarus at the beginning you said he was there Red Wings yeah I I guess I know. I guess I wasn't really <laughs> paying too much attention. Maybe it was like first thing when I woke up that I read it. Yeah. But yeah, he's back, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I just feel like there's a better way to do it than this to bring their powers back. But I don't know. Also, I'm not a fan of when something is introduced, but you don't find out what it is until later. 
Like they did with the Crucible. Oh, how they're talking about it, the whole issue, and yeah, then you find out. Yeah, it's and it's like that uh, fucking... Uh, Rosebud. 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 That's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> this is Jonathan Hickman's Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Rosebud is slang for butthole? Um, I learned what? that from RuPaul. You know what? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> At least not- I think that's what she said it was, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It, it is now if it wasn't before. <laughs> That doesn't make it true, Patty. Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, next issue we're going to talk about is Giant Size X-Men, Jean Grey, and Emma Frost. There is not a ton to say about this because, because not a there's ton. there's no words. There was not a ton said, but I very much enjoyed this. Hey, kids, you want to read comics, but you can't read? Don't worry. <laughs> Patty, that's messed up. <laughs> so there is a little bit of dialogue and, you know, word stuff. <laughs> Word stuff. <laughs> There's, there are words present at the beginning of the issue, um, but these two mutant kids find Storm on the ground, unconscious and bloody. And uh, in Krakowin, it says, silence, psychic rescue in progress. And so Jean is coming in, holding hands with Scott. Then she kisses Logan on the cheek. And then as she walks away, Scott has his hand on Logan's shoulder because Scott wants little a salami. <laughs> <laughs> but you know as Jean walks away Emma's got her hand reached out so that's just like one two three for Jean Jean's getting Jean's getting all of it good for her a little bit of the Scott a little bit of the Logan a little bit of the Emma a little of Salami a little bit of Monica in my life <laughs> and yeah so there's there's pretty much there's no dialogue until like the the last page of the issue I I loved this because like I think Russell Dowderman is, you know, like the way he draws like the actual characters is pretty great. But what he did with some of the pages here was fucking gorgeous. The one page where it's, you know, Gene is like red, Emma's blue, like one's head is on top, there's on the bottom, they're intertwining, going around in spirals around the fucking tree, the fucking snake that attacks. The fucking, the lion and the lioness. It's the elephant with wings that they're riding. There's just so much trippiness in here, you know, because they're in Storm's mind. But it's just, you know, it's basically, they they finally get to where Storm is in her mind. They find her, this egg cracks at the center, a flower pops up, and they pull on it. And these teeth pop up around Storm, and they're pulling and pulling and pulling. And her skin is sticky and melts off and i'm like what the fuck is wrong with her it looks like a countdown you know they exit um and gene says the children of the vault gave her a machine virus that's going to kill her in the next 30 days we ought to talk and you know that's that's basically the issue but you know i mean two things here first again like i said the art was gorgeous and second this was like just an enormous homage to new x-men 121 when gene and emma journeyed to the center of charles xavier's psyche and found about found out about his quote-unquote twin sister in the fucking womb Um, wait is she not his twin she is like an alien parasite (laughs) same thing what's that funny (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so like in new x-men 121 you know frank quietly was the the artist who i'm sorry i hope we don't lose Listeners over this, not a big fan of his his art style, but you know in that issue you got instead of 
You know, Jean kisses Logan on the cheek in this issue, while Jean kisses Scott on the cheek in New X-Men. In the original, Jean holds up the shh finger over her mouth. In the original, in this one, it's Emma holding it up. But Emma still has the flask. In both issues. <laughs> Emma pulls out a flask. Who knows where she's keeping it on the fucking old school Frank Quietly design. I don't know where she was keeping the flask. I'm actually not a fan of Quietly or Dodderman. I feel like Dodderman's characters all look really stiff. <laughs> uh, no, they look like Barbies or something. They just like don't feel like real people. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. All right, and and that's that's fair. You know, I mean, I the the trippiness of this issue. What did you think? Oh yeah, the fucking eyeballs everywhere around the staircase. Like, what did you think? No, I mean, I think that like the concepts were cool, but I didn't feel like this issue really did anything. Okay. Because, you know, there was no talking or anything, so I feel like it was just kind of like, here's a bunch of really cool designs that I came up with, and also there is no story, sorry. (laughs) That's how I felt with the original, too. I really didn't like it. I mean, I feel the original, you know, it it did something for the story back then. Uh, Some of the art in it was neat, the concepts, you know, like you're saying, that's probably the best word for it, but... But yeah, I just was not a fan of Quietly. But also, I mean, Hickman did say that a lot of what he's doing with Giant Size is he's letting artists kind of show off. This is more like an artist thing than it is like a story thing. Although, okay, so I don't have to read them. Although, <laughs> no, but this does connect. I will say that this does connect because in X-Men 1, I don't know if you remember when they were rescuing all the mutants in that Orcus station, there was the one girl... And then, like, uh, disappeared and ran away. That was Serafina of the Children of the Vault. I do not remember that. We saw her in X-Men 5. Remember? She was running away from Logan. Yeah. Yeah. And so we know that a few of the X-Men are stuck in the fucking vault now uh, from two issues ago, uh, X-Men 5. And now we're kind of seeing a little bit more of what's going on from this issue. So, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, this wasn't, like heavy story or anything but i thought that it was neat that it it tied into something i think but last new comic we're talking about is marauders number eight and uh christian and emma there's mutant kids on a field trip to mars and that's cute yeah yeah uh we saw a plant being planted on mars in house of x number one so there you go see more tying things in how did they get to mars in the first place they flew there yeah okay (laughs) yeah And so they grow medicine on Mars, and Emma is like, who knows what mutantum really makes here? And the kid goes, ooh, I know, medicine for flat scans. Nah. <laughs> Emma is like, this is where we make leverage, children, and, and I loved that. I absolutely loved everything about that opening. But unfortunately, here we go. So, so Bishop is, you know, telepathically talking to Emma. He's on a salvage ship in Madripoor above a wreck. And this is what his mission was, to check out this fucking boat. He's like, you can look through my eyes, Emma. And her dead body, Kate's dead body, floating in the water. Bishop says, get the cavalry here. Emma breaks down, just falls right down to the floor and says to me, my marauders. The title of this issue is Furious Anger. And on the recap page, it says Reckoning with Violence. And I still did not see what was coming in this issue. Because, yes, there was furious anger and there was reckoning with with violence. So you've got some goon who nabs Kate's body and it's for Verendi. They want her DNA. 
Bishop takes the guy out. He confirms that it's Kate's body that she's dead, and he finds a little piece of rope on her and keeps it. He's a detective. He's got a clue. Ooh, rope. He puts it in one of his pouches. <laughs> and This uh, pouch is for clues. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, that's why there were so many pouches back in the 90s. Everyone had its purpose. There's a clue pouch. What other <laughs> kind of pouches do you think there are? Pouch for the Joeys? You have to have a Joey pouch. Obviously. Obviously. What else do you Snacks. Need? Snacks. A snack pouch? Uh, tampons. Tampon pouch? Uh, money. Money pouch. Vape pouch. Nose 90. Cigarette pouch. <laughs> Not all the X-Men smoke. Cigar pouch. Not all the X-Men smoke. That's messed up. I uh, know. That's all you need. Yeah. So, so Emma puts out the call to the rest of the Marauders, and suddenly there's a fucking boom on the ship. One of them is like, did we just hit something? This is the captain. We've hit ice. Everyone starts freezing, and fucking Bobby's, uh, entrance was terrifying the one page the door is open his eyes are like glowing and his arm is a fucking scythe 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 sith <laughs> skickle <laughs> it's a skickle and yes it's an ice skickle <laughs> you like that yes bobby in this ice skickle uh i like it <laughs> yeah bobby in this issue just chef kiss Mwah. i knew you were gonna love him Mwah. <laughs> Perfect, perfect boy, good boy, best boy, freezy boy, Bobby boy, bi- cold boy, Bobby baby boy, uh, Bobby baby boy, <laughs> good boy, Bobby. He's just freezing the shit out of everybody. Oh my god! And uh, he like snaps his guy's finger off, and he just wants to like break them all, you know, so that they die. <laughs> um, Bishop stops him from killing these guys, yeah, and I'm like. Why? Because kill no man. But who was it who said, uh, but if you could get away with it? <laughs> who was that? Was that Xavier? It was either no, Xavier Sage? or Magneto. Okay. No, no, it was either Xavier or Magneto. Because uh, that was X-Men 6 when Mystique was up on Orcus. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I forget which one of them it was. But it was definitely one of them. Nothing counts if you do it on Leap Day. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Everybody, just go watch the Leap Day episode of 30 Rock. It's so good. Wasn't There was one of Parks and Rec, too. That's how this became a thing. Because cause we were watching Parks and Recreation a little over four years ago. And you're like, Jonathan, you have to remind me on Leap Day to wear blue and yellow. <laughs> and then you were like like jokingly mad at me for forgetting to remind you about it. And I, I remembered a couple of days ago when I said something to her. I'm like, Patty, this is your reminder from four years ago. <laughs> wear your blue and yellow on Leap Day. And I forgot. Yeah, great. It's not my fault this time. Ah. Try again in four years. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, Bobby Bobby just fucking went to town on these guys, and it was it was amazing. And like, you know, I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is kind of uncharacteristic, but I'm also like, man, this, this guy is grieving right now, loss of a fucking friend. But, you know, I mean, that's his reaction, and I don't, I mean, it might seem a little weird, but at the same time, I don't really blame him. Anyway, Emma tells Storm about Kate, and Aurora is flipping the fuck out. And it, it was an amazing sequence how Emma is trying to stay calm and rational, but you get Emma knows how Storm is feeling, and Storm is just flipping out. I knew we shouldn't have done this, and Emma manages to get a jab in there about how the powerful mutants who she arranged to shadow Kate were missing, and Storm slaps her. But then they share this really sweet moment. You know, Aurora's crying, Emma's hugging, they're hugging each other, Emma's like, I want to give you a gift. 
And Storm goes, it's going to be hard to compete with getting to slap you upside the head after all these years. And Emma gives Storm hope that Kate can return. And Emma is, if you'd like, I can change into diamond form and you can knock me around if it'll make you feel better. I was thinking, no, bitch, stay in your normal form so I can beat the shit out of you. Uh, I don't trust her. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. Well, well. Well, well. (laughs) And then, uh, totally unnecessary, we cut to Shinobi wanting Fenris to join as the Black Knights. That was upsetting. We don't need the fucking twincest here. Like, he's trying to get the upstarts back together. Why? I feel like we've seen Fenris in, like, what, seven issues ever? Like, they barely ever show up. They were also in Thunderbolts. Oh. Um, There was a point where Andrea... Oh, my God. Why am I remembering this? <laughs> Andrea was dead, but Andreas uh, had... He was going by... He was going by Swordsman at the time. He had a piece of Andrea's flesh attached to the handle of his sword so he could still use their powers together. That's cool. Patty! Jonathan! <laughs> that is like some horror oh, movie shit. Oh, oh, that's some fucking JoJo shit. What? <laughs> like he just like carries around her fucking hand. Yeah, Patty, that's not a thing to smile about. That yeah, was but the Kara antagon- did that. That was the antagonist, okay? okay? That's not happy. <laughs> That's some Junji Ito shit. All right, but it was in JoJo. We had <laughs> we had the fucking hand fetish guy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then we get Sinister Secrets. So 16 was apparently Kate had an appointment with someone. We don't know with who yet. 17, a, there is a mentioning a certain quirky cue. And I'm just assuming it's choir, but I don't know. And also, like, they don't even say, like, oh, this quirky cue is going to do something. It's it's just like, oh, here are some things that I've noticed. Who cares? It doesn't make sense for him to just be like, oh, there's a pretender. Yeah, well, like, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) But these secrets don't really make sense to me why they're relevant. This one made sense, though. Number 18. So the first pregnant mutant, was it going to be the redhead? Do you think it was going to be the blonde? Nope. It's Stinger. I loved that. That was such a fucking deep cut. Who would have seen that coming? Stinger from the Alliance of Evil, from the early issues of X Factor. You remember her? Nope. Really? Nope. (laughs) All right. I got I to gotta pull this out. I got to pull this out. This may still not ring a bell, but I still need to show you anyway. Frenzy, mm-hmm. Tower, mm-hmm. there's Stinger. Oh, okay. <laughs> that yeah. certainly is the person. <laughs> she friend, They're friends. They were friends. <laughs> Frenzies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then number 19 was something about the grossest mutants. Keep your eyes on a swivel. You may be seeing double or something. I don't know. It wasn't the Morlocks. Does... I said not the Morlocks. Like, okay, I don't want to be mean, but like Glob or like Rock Slide. No. Well, not Rock Slide, but Glob probably. That's mean. <laughs> I said I don't want to be mean. Right. So you can't read it that I said it mean. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm very tired. I'm calling you Lindsay Lohan because you're a mean girl. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I see exactly what you're, what you're saying. It's like, like, this doesn't make sense. I know, I'm certain it's not supposed to now, and it'll come back later. But that last one was annoying. That, I like, keep your eyes on a swivel. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? If it's not, 
Like, give, give a better clue. It doesn't have to be spelled out. Like, hey, stingers, preggers. Like, it doesn't have to be spelled out like that, but a little something more. That, that one didn't do it for me. Anyway, Lockheed is alive. That's how the issue ends. Yeah. So he's okay. He's I okay. thought we knew that. Huh? Well, we kind of, we guessed that, but oh, it's Oh, right, confirmed. because the fisherman, yes. Yes. And next, it's Journey to the Center of Pyro. Ooh. I know. I'm excited. Nice. And uh, next in Crack Cohen, at the end of the issue, it says Yellow Jacket. So it looks like uh, we're gonna we're gonna see some yellow jacket inside Pyro. <laughs> All right, nice. You know, some of this was very sad and painful because it was just you know grieving. You know, these two mutants, like who who you know, we knew they were there to kind of shadow Kate. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, as it was coming out of my mouth, I realized what was happening. It's like that first reaction to finding out someone is dead. You know, Emma broke down. Bishop remains calm, but he also knows something more is going on, so he's, like, in detective mode. Iceman lashed out, so did a Roro. You know, I mean, it's not it's not about whether this was, response was appropriate or characteristic, you know, because that was my first thought. Like, yeah, this is kind of weird, but it was understandable. Absolutely. And, like, you know, imagine when you, like, the moment you find out somebody has passed away and how you feel. You know, man, I'm not going to get too deep and personal, but, like, I was raised by my grandparents... I was 17 when my grandfather passed away. It's one of those just memories ingrained in my head the moment that I found out that he passed and my reaction to it. I'm not going to get into details, but maybe some someone else out there can identify. No, I didn't want to go freeze people and break their arms off, but, you know, it's just it's that fucking... It's that reaction. It, it, I, I, can, I can see where, where Bobby was coming from. I can see where Roro was coming from. So anyway, I like this issue. I didn't love it, but... You know, it's it's making this whole Kate's death thing even more real. Even if it isn't, this issue was convincing. It was really doing a good job of conveying that. I hope she's not gone and maybe this is part of a plan or somebody will be able to resurrect her or something. Maybe she'll be gone for five years and we'll see her again. Who knows? But this was a good issue to convince me that she is actually gone. But we'll see. So do you think Scott touching Logan's shoulder really means he wants a little of salami? Do you think Kate's death is just a phase? We ought to talk, folks. And we will, when we come back after the commercial break. Oh boy, I, I, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna burst. Hey there, friend. What's going on down there? I, I haven't geeked out in so long. I, I saw an image of the new Bat Cycle and almost leaked my geek in front of everyone at the DMV. Well then, I've got a solution for those throbbing geek needs. Geekade.com has articles and podcasts about all sorts of geeky topics. Get your geek on with podcasts about video games, Transformers, and TV shows, plus articles about anime, music, and horror movies. Oh, hey, look! Geekade.com also has titillating YouTube and tantalizing Twitch channels. That's right. There's so many different geekdoms, so Geekade.com has something for every geek, no matter what your geek is. Geekade.com is bound to hit the spot. The G spot. The G is for geek. Wow. Geekade.com is full of so much geeky content that I might be busy for a while. Don't be ashamed to geek yourself sometimes. It's perfectly normal and healthy. Everyone does it. Yeah, hey, you maybe wanna... Nope! Check out Geekade.com today. Okay, so so we're gonna be talking about a little bit of Astonishing X-Men Volume 3, which started in 2004, 
And good year. The fir- what? No, it wasn't. <laughs> that was a shit ass year for me. It was a shit ass. It was a shit ass. I was in uh, sixth grade. You were twelve. You got razzed that year. <gasps> I that did get razzed not- that year. Look, we just wiped all the shit away from that ass. No, I I got bullied like crazy I in middle you. school, but I did get razzed that year. Yeah. So there was something good that year. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so uh, the first 24 issues plus the giant size, uh, it was written by Joss Whedon. And Joss Whedon? Whedon, and drawn by John Cassaday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cassaday keeps the doctor away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so there are some issues with Joss Whedon. Because there is some very problematic language and a couple of other things that I didn't really like. But overall, the stories and plots of the the arcs that he did, I really enjoyed. I am not a huge fan of John Cassidy's art. It's mostly the the way he draws um, people's faces. I don't know what it is. It's just weird to me. But I'll, I'll, just about everything else he he draws, you know, on a panel is great. But yeah. And we're talking about this because of the dynamics between Emma and Kitty. And it's it's a dynamics between Kitty and Emma, but it is also another time where um screw the pooch at the end. Oh no, that's gross. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, uh, Astonishing X-Men Volume 3, number one, starts with Kitty coming back to the school. There is an homage to the whole Professor Xavier is a jerk. The Merry Christmas sexy, which we really didn't need to see again, you know? What I loved was how she showed up late in the auditorium as Emma is in the middle of, you know, uh, talking to all of the fucking students. Yeah, she just phases through the wall. Phases right through the wall, and Emma calls her out on it, like, oh, nice to be late, glad you showed up. And Kitty's like, I'm sorry, I was busy remembering to put on all my clothes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good one. It really was. So Kitty's smart, right? She's good with computers. She knew all about the computers back in the 1980s. That's what we needed in the 1980s. Claremont was already, like, a middle age by then. He's like... No, let me make this child mutants going to be good with computers. The new fangled 80 computer Apple things, <laughs> right? So Kitty's good with computers. We've kept that canon over the years. So she's teaching computational theories, acting as an advisor and liaison to administrative staff. Good stuff. Emma starts talking to the students about how violence of any kind will not be tolerated. And then, boom, Sentinels. And this is hilarious because it was a hologram. Nobody knew. Oops. Scott didn't know. Hank didn't know. The students didn't know. Emma just turns it off. It was hilarious. I love that. That's so Emma. It's like that's so that, Raven. Yeah. That's, that's so Emma. That's what I was going to... I was just going to start singing the That's So Raven theme song. She had a theme song? Oh, yeah, she did. I never watched That's So Raven. Really? Oh, yeah, for you me, were too old. For me, it was That's No Raven. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, fucking, you know, Scott and Emma are already a thing. They, they wake up in the morning. Wolverine is at the bottom of the bed. That's where he sleeps. <laughs> and when Scott and Emma are in bed together, he sleeps at the foot of the bed. He nuzzles up to Scott's feet. No? You got nothing? You got nothing it's, on that? I, I, I was trying to think of something. <laughs> 
And I just lost it. You know, I mean, he's because he, he is. He really is like a cat. He was sitting at the end of the bed like a cat. You know, exactly how cats sit. And if there's... And any, he loses his shit. He loses his shit in he's... the litter box. Sometimes outside <laughs> of the litter box, he loses his shit. And sometimes... You know, Scott has to wake up with Logan's anus, puckering anus, right in his face. You know, that's one of those things that happens when you own a Logan. <laughs> Was that too much? No, you gotta house train him. It's fine. <laughs> He, uh, Logan was like, oh, what stage of grieving is this? Yeah, Zark right through the fucking side of the building. Zark. <laughs> uh, yeah, Scott blasted Logan <laughs> through the wall. <laughs> yeah. And they're just, like, fighting on the front lawn, and the uh, students are all watching. It's awesome. And Beast is like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? You're supposed to be teachers. So, yeah, Beast kind of berates them, and then they're like, Scott gets them all together later, and is like, listen, we... We have to be a team. I put this, you people together for a reason. We have to be a team. Get out there and show humans that we can, you know, do good and be good. Because we've literally saved worlds multiple times. So, whatever. And now I can't remember. There was, like, two other teachers that were fighting. And the kids were like, is this all that the teachers do at the school is fight each other? The school's awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Logan and Beast. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, a few issues later, it was Logan and Beast over the fucking cure. Yeah. yeah and the two of the kids were watching, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we cut to some alien-looking dude with goons who are taking hostages, and at the same time, we get this doctor who's announcing a cure for the disease that is mutant. Um, so there's the I setup feel like this. this isn't a very unique problem. I feel like we've seen this many times before. The whole mutant cure thing. The, this was like, uh, this might have been one of the first. Okay. Yeah, this might have been the first that we explicitly saw, like, the development of a cure. Somebody, somebody is angrily typing and screaming right now that I am wrong because it happened. Claremont, I'm sure, did it. But I feel like this is the one that gets referenced the most. I mean, you know, we saw, we saw part of this in X-Men The Last Stand. Yeah. We even saw a little bit of this in The Gifted. So, yeah, it's been adapted other ways. And even in the comics not too long ago. Yeah. It's it's come up a bunch of times yeah. at this point. I do remember liking this when I read it the first time. Even, you know, problems with Whedon withstanding. I, I did like it. And it was the first time that I kind of saw this kind of thing, I guess. But I guess going back now, oh, after yeah. all of these years... Because Absolutely. at the time, I hadn't, I, I hadn't seen The Last Stand either before I read this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Like, I, I didn't read this when it first came out. Uh, it was 2004. I, it was a couple of years before I got back into comics again. But it's just kind of like one of those tropes now. But in issue two, the X-Men go address the hostage situation. I thought it was great how Kitty is saving some people, like, you know, phasing them through the floor as Emma is making some of the goons hallucinate. Uh, the X-Men attack this guy, and of course he announces himself, I am Ord of the Break World. We stuff our pillows with diamonds, and he throws Emma through the floor. Okay, can we just talk about how ridiculous of a name Ord is? Yeah, why? It's fucking stupid. It's short for ordinance. <laughs> like, Burrow Ordinance. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel, his given name? I feel like <laughs> there are an infinite number of names that are better than Ord. The name Ord sounds like some fucking... How about Star Trek shit? How about Rod? You like that? Rod is better. 
Yeah, Rodney of Breakworld. Yeah. Hey, that doesn't have the same oomph. Even Breakworld, is is that a thing? Yeah, that's his planet, Breakworld. No, but has it existed before this? I don't... Uh, for like, he made up Breakworld for this guy. For half a second, I thought you meant in real life. <laughs> was there a Breakworld? I was like, yeah, that's one of, the mo- one of the moons of Jupiter, <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> It's one of the, you know, lesser known ones. Jonathan, Doesn't really have many accomplishments. Jonathan, I want you to answer this very seriously. How stupid do you think I am? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I, I said half a second, all right? Then I realized you meant in the Marvel Comics okay. universe. So you thought I was stupid for half a second. All right. Patty, no. I remember it. that. Stop. I remember that. <laughs> um. All right, we'll call him, uh, instead of Rodney, he'll be Ordney. How does that work? Ordney. I don't like that either. Ord is stupid. All right, whatever. (laughs) All right, anyway. It was great. Lockheed showed up in the nick of time. He burned his head, and somehow Lockheed's spitting fire at this guy. He went flying out the window. And then the team, the X-Men, they find out about the cure. Um, (laughs) Sorry, uh, when you said they found out about the cure, I was thinking, like, the cure? Patty, how stupid do you think I am? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh, yeah, the X-Men had their emo face. Do you think the cure exists in the Marvel Universe, Patty? How stupid do you think I am? (laughs) But this was a really interesting, intense conversation, you know, because... When you cut back to the X-Men at the mansion, uh, the kids are watching it on TV, the announcement. Uh, somebody who's literally a doctor on fucking national television is saying that being a mutant is a disease and we have found a fucking cure. And again, cue to fucking metaphor. But Emma said she'd kill the doctor, right? Kavita, Kavita Rao. And Kitty, you know, Kitty gives her shit. Um, oh, the professor would be so proud. And Emma makes a great point, you know, okay, so what? So the government's supposed to keep this safe? What if anti-mutant extremists get it? And so things are really tense. She... Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is what she's saying. Yeah. That, you know, there are anti-mutant bigots in, in for, like, law enforcement and stuff. Oh, we saw it on The Gifted, too. Yes, we did. We absolutely did. But, you know, Emma... Tells the boys to go sleep and says she and Kitty are going to help calm the students down. And I loved this exchange between Kitty and Emma. This was amazing. Kitty says that Scott has been a leader his whole life, but now he's questioning himself and taking orders from you. You bring up murder and he doesn't say a word. And Emma just comes back with, do you know why you're here, Miss Pride? Because I asked. I'm in love with Scott. Grateful to Xavier, and being an X-Man means a lot to me, but it doesn't always agree with me. I wanted someone on the team that would be inclined to watch me. I thought that was super interesting that Emma would, not just that Emma would do that, I believe that Emma would do that, but that she would fucking admit that she brought someone in to keep a watch on her in case she got out of line or started to cross the line. You know what I mean? That is not a very Emma thing to do, and I thought that was amazing. I didn't like the part where Emma said that she was in love with Cyclops. Was it not? I'm still mad about this. Is there a better time for you, Patty? No, I'm still mad about the whole uh, Scott and Emma thing, but 
whatever. Kitty is like, you know, like the first time that I met you, I was 13 and you had like all of the X-Men caged up and you were trying to kill us. So like, of course, I'm going to keep an eye out on, on you and you don't get a pass because you think you're a good person for having somebody on the team to look out for you. Kitty says that, Emma, I learned more about good and evil in that one day than I ever have before or since. I was 13, and I thought that was an amazing exchange. Like, you could feel the tension and the contempt there, you know? I mean, I feel like because Emma had done that to Kitty, that she knew that Kitty would be somebody to sort of watch her. But Kitty had nothing but contempt for Emma at this point. I mean, obviously, you know, Kitty has been a, a fucking superhero at this point and helped save the world so many times that she would be able to function on a team with this woman who she does not like. But you, I could really feel the tension in this fucking exchange and the looks on their faces. Again, I'm not, not the biggest fan of Cassidy's art, but, you know, there was some good stuff in there, and I really appreciated how powerful that was. So it turns out that Ord was working with Kavita Rao, uh, she was only able to come up with a cure for mutants because of his alien technology. Kitty finds Colossus. He had been dead for a few years. Ord had taken his dead body, resurrected him, and tortured him. And Kitty finds Colossus. Colossus gets out of where he's being tortured, beats the shit out of Ord. And according to Abigail Brand from S.W.O.R.D., uh, the people on Breakworlds can see these little visions of the future, and they saw a mutant from Earth destroy their planet. And Ord wanted to stop it, so he basically declared war on mutant kind. He was he helped fund this and, and make this cure that was going to happen. Um, so there's, you know, your opening arc. Then there's an arc with Danger, how she became sentient. There was Cassandra Nova fucking with them. And so that called back to, you know, what we were just talking about, how Emma was like, I want someone who can keep watch on me, because Cassandra Nova had left a little sliver of herself inside of Emma's psyche. And so that was fun. But um, then they get beamed into space, including Ord. So the X-Men and Ord are in space. And what's more fun than space, Patty? Uh, I could name a lot of things, Like Jonathan. Break World, the moon of Jupiter? <laughs> you know. know I hate space. Okay. I also hate, uh, like, deep underwater. That freaks the shit out of me. Really? Yeah. I thought that underwater was so cool when I was a kid. It's neat. There are <laughs> freaky things down there. Freaky fucking things. So yeah, so basically S.W.O.R.D. is like, all right, so we, we have to save Earth. We want to fucking stop this war from happening. Breakworld is ready to wage war. And fucking S.W.O.R.D.'s plan is like with the X-Men, they're going to find this missile that Breakworld is going to shoot at the Earth and they're going to stop it. In the meantime, Kitty and Colossus find time to have sex. And then they find a fully operational battle station. Do you get that reference? No. Star Wars. Okay. That's not a moon. Which one was that from? Which Star Wars? <laughs> Which of the wars was it? It's the Star Wars. Which one? Was it the Jedi one? <laughs> Tried showing me the uh, the original trilogy, and uh, I've never seen them before. Yeah, they haven't aged well at all. They just felt so boring and old and outdated to me. So I'm sorry. Everybody hates me now. No, I think true. that space stories, they just like have no interest to me. Like, you know, Star Trek or Star Wars. Unless you put balls in them. Yeah. Space balls is good. Yeah, because you got balls in there. <laughs> balls make everything better. And Saga is awesome. Yeah, put balls in Saga. 
Yeah. Moles have been in Saga. There yes. are literally testicles in Saga. That's true. Yes, Scrotum Saga. It's the Scrotum Saga. All right, anyway. So uh so this fucking this it's it's the size of a moon. It is a battle station. It's got this 10-mile long fucking missile that it's going to shoot out of it. The X-Men decide to split up. Kitty decides to take a shortcut into the moon's circuitry and then gets into the missile and she's like floating through this darkness. But we learn that it's going to fire no matter what. And then it actually does fire. And this is when Beast has this terrible realization. No thrusters, no circuitry. It's not a missile. It's a bullet. So this story concludes in Giant Size Astonishing X-Men. And this was uh, the final issue of Wheaton's and Cassidy's run. So you've got basically the remaining X-Men on Earth gathering Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, everybody together to try to figure out what the fuck they're going to do. On Breakworld, you've got some of the X-Men who are fighting to buy time. Uh, here's a great example of Whedon's problematic fucking dialogue. Uh, Abigail Brand from S.W.O.R.D. is fighting some of these uh, Breakworld goons, and she goes, I never get gang-raped on a first date. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me yeah that was disgusting it was really fucking gross she's badass you don't need some stupid fucking disgusting line like that in there and i can't believe that they allowed that in there anyway kitty is stuck in this fucking bullet she's sweating she's stuck to the ground she can barely move she's trying to contact anyone dr strange actually finds her but as soon as he does he's just like knocked unconscious there's like some magical fucking barrier the fantastic four come up with a plan That looks like it's going to work. It's going to fucking swing around this fucking moon. They're going to open up a portal. The bullet's going to go in the portal. They'll find a way to get Kitty to phase out of there. But then, you know, you turn the page and Reed Richards is standing there fucking drooling. And then, you know, it pans out in the panel. Everybody's fucking standing around drooling. So what the fuck is happening? Emma reaches out to Kitty and says, help is on the way. But it seems like all the fucking heroes are hallucinating. They're all seeing themselves saving the day. You see Spider-Man catch this giant bullet in some webs. Oh, they were hallucinating? I was wondering what was happening there. <laughs> really? I'm like, how how come they're all getting these meteors and the, the day isn't saved yet? What's going on? <laughs> Sentry's punching it away, then Iron Man's punching it away. Yeah, Everybody maybe I was just day. tired when I read this, too. Maybe I'm just perpetually tired. <laughs> So Kitty, Kitty's not looking too optimistic about the situation. She's telling Emma that she's not going to make it. And Emma's like, no, phase out. We'll come get you. And Kitty's like, I'd love to, but I'm stuck. And it's not actually said out loud, but you can tell that both Emma and Kitty realize what's going to have to happen here, what's really going on. And so fucking Emma is like, any hope we have of stopping this thing? And Kitty says, I know. Even the fucking resurrected Tri-Sentinel that destroyed Genosha... And who managed to get feelings, he managed to get the gift of feelings, tried to help. And, of course, it didn't work. As Kitty's getting closer in the bullet, Emma offers to put her somewhere else, make her less afraid, and she refuses. And Kitty's like, disappointed, Miss Frost? And Emma goes, astonished, Miss Pride. The fucking bullet blows right through the Tri-Sentinel. Kitty prays for strength. The bullet phases fucking through the Earth. You see this thing phasing through 
buildings, people screaming and running, running away. Kitty's sweating. Her eyes are rolling to the back of her head. And then it comes out the other side of the earth. It works. And the dialogue starts over this. Scott was told that Kitty had bonded with the bullet. If she could break the connection, it could be in the middle of, of a planet. And then, of course, it would fucking explode because she'd be unfazed from it. Um, so the bullet wouldn't be phased anymore. And this is assuming she's still even alive. And that was really fucking sad. But Kitty Pride saved the entire fucking Earth. But as ridiculous as this sounds... Kitty Pride saved the Marvel Universe. She literally fucking did. That should have been the title of this. And that was amazing. I thought that was astonishing, Miss Pride. Shh. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> okay, so I knew about this before I read it the first time. Yeah. You told me. The bullet, yeah. Yeah, that she got stuck in a bullet, and I was like, well, that's stupid. (laughs) So, I don't know. I think, okay, so, like, her saving the day, okay, that's cool and all. I just thought that her being stuck in a bullet for several months, or however long she was gone, was a little lame. (laughs) It was a lame way to go out, being stuck in a bullet. Yeah, but it was a magical bullet. A magic bullet? Yeah. (gasps) Uh Uh-oh. That's product placement. Whoa, 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 wait a second. What product are you placing? What no, is you magic don't bullet? you don't know the 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 little blenders. Oh yeah, okay. I think that's what that's called, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, because magic bullet could also be like a vibrator. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright. So it's actually the JFK shooting. It's called single bullet theory, and people call it the magic bullet theory. So that's what I was thinking of magic bullet. I'm like, oh. what? I'm like, what? The assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy is what we're product placing. But and I'm I'm the silly goose. You were talking about blenders and vibrators. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> You're such a goose. <laughs> no, I get you. I mean, she was gone for uh, a couple of years, just a, a couple of years. Uh I mean, she managed to come back. You know, I mean, Magneto yeah. Magneto was right. It was left open. You know, Magneto was able to pull her back. That was ri- all ridiculous how he did that, but I'm still happy he did that. But yeah, she went out saving the fucking world. It looked amazing. It was powerful. You didn't think it was lame. But when you put it the way you're putting it, all right, I mean... All right. All right, it could have been something cooler, I <laughs> guess. I don't know. You pitch me a different, better story. No, I'm tired. <laughs> But, okay, so this is what really got me. So as many complaints as one can have about Joss Whedon, the the text at the very end of this, if happy comes along, that weird, unbearable delight that's actually happy, I think you have to grab it while you can. You take what you can get, because it's here and then gone. Like on the last page, the bullet is out in the middle of space flying away. It says gone, huge at the bottom of the page. And, you know, right before that, it's Colossus standing at like the edge of like, you know, the fucking cliff overlooking the sunset and it's sad because it was sad. You know, I mean, Colossus had been dead for a few years. He had just come back. They were, you know, back together and then she's off and he's okay. And so you you say whatever you want about their relationship, but it it was kind of sad. It's um, like that uh, that Christmas story about the, the the couple wants to get each other gifts and the wife wants to get like a watch for her husband or whatever. So uh-huh. she like cuts off all her hair and then the husband wants to get her like this nice gold comb. So he like cuts off his hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that not how that story goes? No, that's how I remember it. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was a little fucked up. I'm sorry. That was really funny. That was a little fucked up. I'm sorry. No. Uh, no, how did it really go? I forget what he got rid of, but... Well, that's the whole point. I know, but he, he got, got her a comb. gold comb, and she shaved all her hair to buy this other thing for it's him. It's a really sweet story. It was like he, to get him like a belt, and he sold all his pants. <laughs> <laughs> He's so creative. That's how Kitty Pride saves the world, by buying everyone pants. <laughs> <laughs> Could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> All right. No, I really, I really enjoyed this, and it, it, again, it was partially for the rapport between Emma and Kitty, because you know, again, from right at the beginning of this series, you got that contempt from Kitty towards Emma, but at the end, you know, there, it's like just the two of them communicating. And I really thought that that was nice. I really did. And I really appreciated it. And it was really sad when she was gone, you know, how she just kind of went out and was just stuck there for, you know, I mean, in, you know, real time, it was a few years she was gone, maybe like three. I don't know how long it was supposed to be in the Marvel Universe, but still, it fucking sucks. She's trapped in this fucking bullet, just stuck there. Flowing. And then when she came back, she couldn't unfaze again and was put in a fucking chamber again. You know, so do we really have to st- talk about the ripping the heart out? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. All right, fine. The this best, was, the best this was... interaction between the two of them. Patty. Jonathan took a whole bunch of notes, but uh, this is what? <laughs> and the what if astonishing from 2010 from uh-huh. uh, McCain. Isn't it good that I made notes, huh? Yeah. Uh, Miss Smarty Pants. <laughs> Uh, okay. Kitty, uh, just ripped Emma's whoa, heart out. Whoa, 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 Let's not, let's not break worlds over this. <laughs> All right. So basically the premise is, is what if instead of Colossus that Ord was performing experiments on, it was someone else. It kind of mirrors what happened in the original story. The X-Men go to Benetech to check out this. Beantech. <laughs> That's how I was pronouncing it. Yeah, bean tech. Bean tech. It's bean technology. Yeah. That's where the future is, kids. Yeah. It's in bean technology. Exactly. You better invest in beans now. <laughs> Go Goya. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're trying to check on this cure bullshit, and who do they find? They find Gene. And there's a welcome back Gene party. But Emma isn't happy. Of course not, because she's a bitch. <laughs> Stop. So, yes, yeah, Ord says a mutant's going to destroy his race. And Jean is like, Emma's telling the truth. Does, I never thought I'd say that. Does anyone have any mouthwash? And I'm like, stop it. But Beast is like, well, you know what? The, the fucking no Phoenix Jean is going to go destroy anything because Jean and the Phoenix aren't bonded anymore. So Jean, you wearing your Phoenix outfit, it's okay. doesn't matter what pants you want to wear. Everything's fine. Emma doesn't believe it. Emma still thinks that this is going to happen. Jean Grey gets resurrected. The Phoenix is going to come back. Phoenix is going to destroy Breakworld. Breakworld's going to shoot this thing, and we're all going to fucking die. But thankfully, as I mentioned earlier, there was an arc with Cassandra Nova, leaving a little sliver of herself in Emma Frost's psyche. And, uh, yep, that comes up in this issue. So Cassandra Nova's like, hey, I've got a solution. Go talk to the Cuckoos. Because the Phoenix Force hid a little bits of itself inside the cuckoos. So Cassandra helps Emma absorb it out of them. And this is really sad because the cuckoos look withered and maybe dead. And that was very sad because the cuckoos don't deserve that. Press F. You 
Okay. <laughs> Lockheed wakes Kitty up, or it is dead. Breakworld fires the bullet, and whoop! The Phoenix Force pops out, sends it away, and destroys Breakworld. And Jean wakes up screaming. Lockheed takes Kitty by the cemetery, and she finds the cuckoo's dead bodies. And Jean senses the Phoenix-powered Emma, and she looks glorious. She looks glorious. Before there was the Phoenix 5, Emma, there was this what-if Phoenix Emma. No one even gets near Emma, but she telekinetically snaps Beast's neck. Just he deserves snaps. it. Whoa. 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 <laughs> but uh, Jean is fine because Jean is stronger. So she finds out that Cassandra is in Emma, and <laughs> that's part of the reason that she's acting so batshit. The other half of that is because Emma is batshit. All right. So, you, know what? <laughs> you know what? No. Emma is like, okay. So when fucking Jean hits Emma, you see that Cassandra gets knocked out of her, and you sort of see Emma coming to her senses. Emma wants to die. She's she like you can tell she wants to die. She's there's this small window of clarity and she's crying. Patty was so sad. It was for a couple of panels. It was oh my god. And then it happens. Yes. She stands up. The best panel of Emma ever. And all of a sudden, fucking this hand appears through Emma's chest and the heart is out. And then Emma just drops and Kitty is like, huh, what do you know? Never imagined you actually had one of these. But joke's on Kitty because on its way out of Emma, the Phoenix Force kills Kitty. Allegedly, Sword catches the Phoenix Force and contains it, and they're mourning the loss of Emma and Kitty. Wolverine is about to start a danger room session, but as he walks away, Cassandra Nova appears on the monitor. Yay, what a fucking happy story. Woo! Yay. Yeah! Patty! Jonathan! Patty! Jonathan! <laughs> That's so upsetting. Why? That's not the rapport I was looking for. That is that my is favorite rapport of them. Opposite of the Colbert rapport. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's one of my favorite panels. It's, is Kitty ripping her heart out? It is, it is fucking harsh. And like, like I, I get wanting to take Emma down in this situation. Like, not seeing any other way to stop this before it gets too out of control. Like... How are we going to contain her and the Phoenix Force here before she lets loose and causes something really bad to happen other than destroying a, a, a world and snapping Beast's neck, you know? Like, because it's not Emma driving, it's Cassandra Nova driving. So I get wanting to take her off the board, but man, that was fucking rough. I did not really appreciate Kitty's dialogue there but i guess half of mutant musings does <laughs> so that's something no but this was honestly you know as rough as that was and, and for me as you know like an emma fan like i get it it's part of the storytelling it is what it is I, I thought that this was an interesting what if this wasn't the entire issue but this was the one story that i, I wanted to focus on because you know kitty and emma kitty dying Yet again. So Yeah, so <laughs> when when Jonathan was like, Oh, we need we need to find a story to talk about about Kitty and Emma's relationship yep. and I was like, How yep. about this issue? Yeah, whatever. It's a what if. I don't even like what if issues anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. What did you think of Kate's seemingly confirmed death? 
Are you ready for Gene and Emma to have more dialogue? Join us for a new episode in two weeks, and until then... Kate Pride was right. Kate...